Jacques Howard, I'm on location at Pat's Diner on South Broad Street in Trenton, New Jersey, historic Pat's Diner. And I'm with Joel Smith, um, who's a working musician, and we're going to be talking a bit about his background, his history, some of his uh, recent projects, and about the whole music scene in general. Um, Joel, I want to say thank you uh, publicly again for a couple months of your time. Um, it's been a while since we worked together at Merrill, Merrill Lynch. Right, right, right. <laughs> Talking to each other about clothes and suits and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, why don't you give a little background about who you are, um, where you're from, okay. uh, and what you're doing. All right, well, first of all, of course, Jacques, thank you so much for um, giving me this opportunity to uh, speak a little bit about some things I know and things I experience. Um, my background, I was born in South Carolina. Um, moved to Trenton, actually moved from South Carolina to Brooklyn, New York as a child, and then came to Trenton um, uh, as a six-year-old with my, with my family who were both Trenton educators uh, in the elementary school system, elementary and middle school system. Um, in fourth grade, um, I believe the first time I was introduced to a saxophone was at uh, Junior Two, all right, with the um, great Mr. Lombardo and Mr. Pratico. You know, you, you remember these original music teachers. Um, so I played saxophone. Let's start, you know, learn saxophone, and had the opportunity to um, meet one of my best friends in music, a uh, local legendary musician, Mr. Roy Richardson, and we actually were able to participate in the orchestra together going all the way back to sixth grade <laughs> so we always get a kick out of playing together nowadays that you know all these years have passed and we're still doing our thing but when I left Trenton public schools I went to private school and the interesting thing was my private school did not have a music program right right looking back kind of kind of odd not a formal music program but what they did have was a beautiful baby grand piano that sat in the cafeteria. And one of the uh, uh, custodians, while he was cleaning up in the afternoons, he would allow me to come in and goof off on the piano while, you know, while he was cleaning up. So what I would do, I would come in, I would, you know, plunk around a little bit. And then because my family uh, was very involved in the in Pentecostal church, on the weekends and any other time that I was around, the other musicians, I would get them to show me little things. So I would go back to the piano and I'd practice it and I'd do that and you know, you do that. And over time I started getting decent. And so by the time I got uh, to college, uh, to Rutgers, I actually was fortunate enough to play with the Liberated Gospel Choir. And um, so from there, the interesting thing about college, which most of us can attest to, you get uh, introduced to a lot of different experiences. So I was introduced to jazz in college. I was introduced to jazz and um, and house music and all kinds of genres of music that I, you know, hadn't really been privy to. And it just opened me up, just took my, you know, took my attention and, and it started a really great journey um, of exploring and, and sharing and, and creating and all this kind of thing. And I'm, I'm just really fortunate. I've been uh, 
you know, I've been able to, to travel and, and, I mean, meet some people that, you know, some of the experiences that I've had, I would not have had, would not have had if not for the benefit of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm eternally grateful for that. Yeah, when you were starting off um, telling a bit about your history, you had mentioned um, the public school education and the fact that you were introduced to the sax. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of talk nowadays about the lack of art and culture and music in schools and in public schools particularly. What would you like to say about that? Please, 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 uh, to anyone who's listening and has influence, you have no idea how critical musical education creative education artistic education you have no idea how essential that is for youth building and when I say youth building every kid can't carry a football every kid can't dunk a basketball every kid can't hit a curveball everybody can hum everybody can beat a drum everybody can express themselves somehow throughout the production of sound. Now, of course, everybody's not going to be a, a, a touring recording artist and you know, blah, 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 blah. But there is something about getting that foundation that I think opens kids up to what the limits, that they have no limits in terms of their creativity. You really feel like, you know, you find something that you can do and if you really end up falling in love with it, it just takes you places that you don't find, you know, unless you have like that kind of thing to, to, to create with. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I just, um, I can't stress it enough that ever since the music and, and those education programs have been taken out of the school system, look at what we have in our communities. We see, you can see a direct correlation between frustrated youth, um, you know, troubled communities, mm. and it, and then, and then, you know, and it takes them right into adulthood. People that just, you know, don't have a way to express themselves. It definitely starts off at youth. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And, and thank you for uh, your passion in explaining that, because I think it's also important for people to recognize that artists and musicians and professionals like yourself Mm. more of you need to be sharing this information um, because it appears to me that a lot of those decisions are generally made from people who have never experienced it so they don't they don't have any relative experience to base it upon. So they say, well, wait a minute, we're going to cut something. They don't really need to have music. They're not going to be, you know, Beethoven or Prince or any of those mm. folks. No, we'll just cut that. Right. Um, you mentioned um, a couple of teachers, too. Mm. Uh, Mr. Lombardo and Mr. Pratico. Mm-hmm. And, and those names... Um, often come up, mm. you know, when I'm talking to local musicians. Um, just talk a bit about more, a bit more about Mr. Lombardo and Pratica. Man, Mr. Lombardo, okay, let me give you an even broader picture. My mother taught third grade at Junior 2, so I would go to school, you know, I was, even though I lived in a different part of town, the school system allowed me to go to school with my mom just, you know, for purposes of child care and all that kind of thing. So anyway, the teacher's community at that time, I think was a little bit more, there was a connection, like, teachers were more willing to do things 
within the teachers community. So the reason I say that is because Mr. Lombardo would come around to the other teachers seeking out students, you know, to, you know, to introduce them to music. And I, like, I just remember my mother kind of, you know, always having good things to say about him, you know, like this good guy, you know, Mr. Pratical, good guy or whatever. So, and also it's a real gift to be able to teach to children. Mm. There's a bit, there's a profound difference in being able to teach children as opposed to, you know, young adults, adults, so forth and so on. So he was very gifted, very, very gifted in that. And he also, I don't even know whether he knew it or not, but because he loved music so much, it rubbed off on him. All right. So, so, you know, there was never, it wasn't, it never felt like just um, drudgery. You know, like the tedium of practicing or, you know, you get certain instructors where it's just like, you know, like drill work. No, not with him. I mean, we played tunes that were fun. I can clearly remember one of the first songs that we played, and I'm going to date myself. I'm going to age myself. But um, uh, Peter Gunn, and I, and I know a lot of people will be like, what? But anyway, it was a popular show, and we played our junior orchestra, junior high school orchestra, played the theme song from that TV show. And I'll never forget it. It was one of the most, you know, fun things to do and and then to really see it all come together under the leadership of this teacher was great. Now, I can't not talk about maybe the greatest teacher in Trenton and a, a really great story about Mr. Uh, Grice. Tommy Grice. Tommy Grice, Mr. Tommy Grice. As I said earlier, I didn't go to Trenton High, all right? But Mr. Grice knew my parents, and um, I guess probably maybe once I got in college or whatever, I used to, I started, and, or started playing professionally, every now and then I would kind of cross paths with Mr. Grice, and he would always say to me, Mr. Smith, you're the one that got away. Because I didn't go to Trenton High, so I didn't come through his music program. And we would always laugh. I was always kind of like, you're right. You know, I really wish I had had the opportunity to study with him because who knows where I would go. But over the years, man, when you want to talk about a man who is monumental in the lives of, I want to easily say, 99 to 100% of the guys who play music, and women who play music in Trenton. We have, Mr. Grice has touched our lives. I actually think that I was fortunate enough to perform on one of the last recordings that he made. We, had, we were involved in a project a few years ago before he took ill. And so, you know, he, just some of the, the wisdom that he would share you know, like you might, like you'd see Mr. Grice on a, you know, he'd be on a gig, you know, he'd be on a professional gig, and you'd be in the audience, right? And during his break, he would come over and like start talking scales with you, and you'd be like, Mr. Grice, I'm just, you know, oh, yeah, da, 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 da. but that's just how much, and his, his joy, and his love, I, you know, like infectious, completely infectious, and you know, people use that word legend. You know a lot, but it's no question about it with Mr. Grice. And actually, I think you know there's there's a picture that's circulating 
um, on Facebook and it's circulating the internet where there's a group of guys who um, have all pretty much been out professionally at, on one level or another and they all are taking the pictures surrounding Mr. Grice and it just shows you like you know what his impact has been you know on guys and on careers so as far as you know educators go like I can't I couldn't, I couldn't even be here you know and talk about these things if not without without speaking about Mr. Grice. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm glad you brought um, Mr. Grice up, Tommy Grice up, because he again is another person who, when you talk to musicians in this region, he's one of the first people that everyone brings up. Mm -hmm. um, not only for his uh, professional acumen, but also for his passion to educate. Um, I had a chance to sit down with him a couple of times, and uh, and I didn't study, you know, with him, but. I was uh, I was very impressed, mm -hmm. and it was uh, it was a warm, good human being mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. was passionate about educating yeah. people about yeah. music which yeah. was, and life, which yes. was awesome. Yep. Yes, indeed. So let's talk about the uh, the diversity in music and the importance of that. I'd like to ask um, artists that as well because um, sometimes it appears as though people get pigeonholed. Um, whether they get told that they're in a particular genre like they do this or they do that. But there's so much wonderful music out. Mm -hmm. And I like to ask artists about the importance of listening to different genres of music. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... Um, I think that your ears get um, your ears get open, and I, I'm saying that kind of metaphorically, that you get exposed. Social media and the internet has brought so much right into you know our hands. You know we're holding these cell phones and we get to hear stuff from all over, not just the nation but all over the world. And because of the accessibility, you know you can easily you can gain an affinity for things you can you know you have an opinion about what you're listening to so the diversity in and of itself the diversity is critical because it allows people to express themselves in different channels different avenues all right um you're not going to like everything but I think what's more important than just trying to decide what you like is having the respect of the person's craft and having the respect of the gifts that are being shared. Because, I mean, some of the stuff that's out here, man, is so fantastic. But people have a tendency to listen to what they only listen to what they like. Mm. Only listen to what they're familiar with. Only listen to what they've been exposed to. But there are artists around the world that, um, that if people really gave an opportunity to listen to, it would be mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. So, and also, and the other thing I'm thinking about, when we talk about diversity, I think we also need to make a distinction about ageism in music, which is, I know you probably don't get this conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot. So elaborate on that. All right. That's interesting. Because now... Um, the age group that I'm in, I'm finding that there are, there's this whole genre of music, of musicians and music fans 
that are very, very loyal to each other, all right? But in a town like ours, you know, like we were speaking about off record, you know, you don't necessarily have the venues to play, da 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 But there's these people, 40 and over, 50 and over, whatever, that really dig good music, but they don't have an opportunity to go out and experience it. Same thing on the flip side with the younger generation. The younger generation, I think, is they are not experiencing live music in any way, shape, or form near what we did growing up. All right. So, so the diversity in the age, you know, like like that. I think that's a you know that's a topic that needs to be uh, kind of looked at, and it's a very interesting thing that you have these real clear delineations between groups on not just color, taste, but age and culture and all that kind of thing. As and, well. and and do you think that has something to do just with the culture of? Um, of some of the music, you know, like a lot of times, and I'll say specifically, often you hear uh, hip-hop, rap, punk, metal, those things tend to have a more of an yep. aggressive audience at times. Do you think that has something to do with it? Um, I don't know whether it's so much aggression. Well, yeah, some people might see aggression, but people often can mistake aggression for passion. All right? And I think that, you know, like the thing that I dig about listening to stuff that I might not, you know, like it, it may not be, you know, in my playlist or whatever, but I can still relate to an artist's passion. I can still, I can always relate to the intensity of creation and the creative spirit. You know, I, I know what that feels like, so I can, you know, like, yeah, I might not, you know, I can't, no, I can't listen to everything that, you know, comes out, but I can dig just, you know, uh, relating to a person's, you know, just did will that, that overwhelming desire to express what's inside of them. I can get, you know, so I can get with that, so... And, and that's that's I think the importance of music and and it tie in with education. It's a true person's expression. Outlet. 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 Yeah. So, for the sake of time, and we're going to be sitting down again in the near future, I want to hear about some of the projects that you're working on. I mean, like going through mm -hmm. your history and doing uh, some some searching on on you. Um, you know, you're labeled as a songwriter, a performer, a producer, on and on. So you got you got this whole culmination of things. Yeah. And, and I want to take it back to like in the 80s. I remember like seeing like Prince LP, where so it was like um, written, composed, arranged, produced by Prince. You know, right? And right. and I noticed that there's more musicians who I know mm -hmm. who were doing similar things. Mm -hmm. So just talk about the whole process and being identified as a writer, a producer, a performer, etc. You know, I think what it really comes back into, I think about the artists and the art that really impacted me at a young age. I'll tell you a funny story. First album that I ever purchased with my own money was Earth, Wind & Fire's Spirit album. Alright? And I remember that album because inside of it, it contained a 45 that had Denise Williams' Free on it. 
right? And so I, I, you know, I had that album. I listened to it till I wore the grooves out. And I was, you know, I was listening to Stevie Wonder, original music, songs. I was, and I always had the habit of reading liner notes. Like I, I was curious. Like once I started hearing the stuff, I was like, well, who did that? You know, like. And then you'd be like, wow, this guy played drums, this guy played piano. And then you see the other line, like the, 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 the great mystery word producer. And you used to be like, wow, what is a produ who produced this? What does it mean to produce? So fast forward, you know, over my years of, you know, floating in and out of this studio and this studio, you start to learn about how records are made. There's a big difference between how records are made and how music is created. There's that whole business aspect. But to, to have the um, wherewithal to pull all these various elements together and to create something that that becomes tangible is, is, a, is a great, it's almost like science. It is science, you know, it's, it's, a, it's real art. So for me, being a piano player, um, I think uh, a lot of times, you know, it's my responsibility to orchestrate. And now, by no way, shape, or form, like, I don't consider my, like, I know I can't play bass, you know. I can hold rhythm barely on the drums, right? But I, I have an idea what these things should sound like. So when I pull, you know, these elements together, it starts to take shape, and then what I've heard in my head starts to come out, you know, in this, you know, complete, you know, concise package. Um, and also, the other thing that I think too, when you start to get into the recording side of things, you really meet a different level of genius. Because, like I said, the, the, the ability to pull you know all these parts together is fascinating. To really watch like top-notch people work, it's like wow, you know, you have no idea. Then when you go back and listen to the records and hear the individual parts of it it starts to be like, wow, you, it really makes sense. So, me personally, um, I think the first thing that I ever tried to produce, and I have a picture in my home studio that I kind of used to keep me grounded. I had a kitchen chair, I had a boom box with a, a double-sided tape deck, I had a, a child you know like a toy piano or whatever and i think i had a, a microphone that was propped up like on a box or so you know whatever but i was going to figure out a way to make one sound and then layer it with another sound and layer it with another sound and slowly but surely you start to understand like oh this is how you pulled all this thing together so now fast forward i've been fortunate man to work with um a lot of people. I spent um, a lot of years working as an affiliate with Philadelphia International Records, with um, with uh, the legends, uh, Mr. Gamble and Mr. Huff, um, and Grace Little as a vocalist, and uh, all kinds of you know the stable of Philadelphia International artistry. You know you get exposed to, but not only the artistry but some of the producers that work. I had the good fortune 
to talk to Mr. Dexter Wanzell recently, legendary songwriter and producer. And just to hear some of the the tidbits of information that people like this, you know, drop on you, it, it just sets you, you know, like you almost want to run home to your studio or, you know, sit down at your piano and just kind of like flesh these ideas out. So, you know, that, um, that aspect of it to me is, uh, it's, it's so fascinating because it's what really gets, it's what takes things from concept to reality. You know, a lot of people can, can play music, a lot of people can, um, can perform, but can you, can you give it to people to where it touches them, and especially timelessly, that's another thing I think I, I, I was thinking about while I was talking. When I look back on what I consider some of the great works of all time, um, somebody asked me one time, you know, if you could only listen to one album for the rest of your life, what would it be? I was like, well, hey, that's, you know, probably the most unfair question ever. But, and I know, you know, I'm biased or whatever, but Stevie Wonder's songs in the key of life came out in the in the 70s and I think from top to bottom one of the greatest creative works that has encompassed almost every musical genre that there is jazz gospel blues rock you name it there's something on that album that Stevie did and we're still listening to it today and we'll still be listening to it long after You've referenced uh, Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind & Fire, jazz, house music, etc. What are you listening to now? I am actually, I'm listening to Daniel Caesar, who I really, I really dig. Um, I'm listening to Anderson .Paak. Um, I'm listening to some people that uh, folks are not familiar with. I'm listening to Jared Lawson, um, a young guy, pianist singer-songwriter uh, from the West Coast, just unbelievably dynamic, you know, talent. Um, I'm, I like to listen to stuff that, um, I, go, I go, like back in the day, you know, former DJ, you know, used to go crate digging. Well, I'm a YouTube digger. <laughs> I can spend hours just, you know, hanging out on YouTube, you know, and just seeing where it leads me, you know. And I like to make a joke. I think um, YouTube is the world's is the world's greatest and worst talent show because you get exposed to some things that you hopefully will never see again or never hear again, <laughs> you know, or you know, or will never hear again. But you also get exposed to some people in the privacy of their homes displaying some of the most unbelievable talent and stuff that you could ever hear and you know so these you know and you don't need the you know the days of needing you know a record deal or all that kind of thing you know are slowly but surely being pushed aside yeah there are still benefits to having um, you know an economic machine behind your art but there's also something so pure and so perfect about opening your mouth pressing record and then letting the world, or let whoever your world is, 
hear what you've done and sharing it with them. There's something really, really perfect about that. And, I, and I'm grateful. We're very grateful for you too. So, so that's how you know I discover a lot of folks that I listen to. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, Emmeline Oliver. <laughs> the brooding of Emmeline Oliver. Yeah. Now, um, and I wanna I wanna talk about that because um, listening to the tracks mm-hmm. on on that album. It's it's a mix. Like my first thought was, okay, you know, this is probably gonna be straight ahead. Some music. I was anticipating some funk, some mm-hmm. soul, you know, some jazz elements. Uh-huh. But this album is a, is a lot more than that. So can you talk about producing that mm-hmm. and um, your relationship with her? Ex, sure. Um, I met Ina Ray. Uh, through a mutual friend who some years ago said, you know, I have this friend who's a really talented um, writer, singer, da-da-da-da, and she's looking for somebody to help her, you know, just get some of her work out. So I was like, sure, you know, with me. So we met, and immediately the, the thing that I knew was that this was a woman who was supremely focused, who had a uh, burning desire to um, inform and heal, heal like that. Her big thing was about the healing that's necessary and available and possible through music. So I was like, wow, you know, this would be different. You know, mm-hmm. most people kind of just, you know, like, you know, you want to make a song because you're feeling good or you're feeling a certain way, or whatever. But she was specifically about healing. So, as we started to work on the project, and, you know, I'm, I'll go ahead and reveal some of the origins of it. The project originally started out as a personal woman's journey towards, of a, personal, a woman's personal journey of self-evaluation and retrospect and, and introspect to find herself in order to heal. So as we started to go down the road, it became a much broader project. She realized that, you know what, maybe the voice that I'm looking for is not just my voice, but maybe it's something more of an ancestor perspective. So Emmeline Oliver is Ina Ray's great-grandmother. And here was a woman who lived a... Um, probably as challenging a life uh, as a um, you know black person could live during her times and particularly a black female all right so a majority of the songs that we worked on started to speak from the voice of her great-grandmother sharing the stories to a present generation in the hopes that women and girls and and that feminine energy can can recover itself. So so when you listen to it, you get a lot of um, you know there's a, a profound spiritual aspect of it, and we tried to capture that. I tried to I tried to honor that. And when she would send me you know she would send me a lot of notes. She would share with me. We had you know we talked you know we talked a lot about you know where this thing was trying to go and so forth and so on and another um, really powerful thing that I think 
needs to be said that young artists need to understand. Sometimes you can create something that is not economically, it's not geared. Like, you're not going out looking to make money all the time. Sometimes you have to use your art as a platform, as a place to speak to some of the ills of society. So it, this is exactly what we're trying to do with this particular project. Um, you know, Ina, as a, uh, a married woman, um, a mother, uh, a professional, she has, you know, she's traveled all those various paths to full state of womanhood. So she's qualified to say to other women, hey, I know what you've been through. I know what you're going through. Maybe this can help. Listen to this. This is my story. These, are, these were my great-grandmother's stories. Maybe by listening to that, it can help you. So that's you know that's kind of a, a capsulized view of uh, you know what this project is about. I'm very very proud of it. You know, I, I, maybe you can hear that in my voice because it's something very different from what I've done. You know, pre, like you said, you know, you, you listen and you're expecting to be funky, jazzy, whatever, whatever. But this kind of you know this kind of touches you, um, you know, more cerebrally first goes into your heart and you're still gonna tap your feet and you know you're still gonna pop your fingers and bob your head but you're also a lot more compelled to listen and 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 try to be moved you said so much uh, in that last statement and I want to get into it but for the sake of time we're gonna have to hold that off until the next time we get together mm. but uh, Joel Smith um, how can people reach out to you for work uh, I'm, you know, I'm a social media guy. You can get me on Facebook at Joel A. Smith. Um, on Instagram, I think it is um, the Joel Smith Project. Or if it's not, you know, it is Joel A. Smith. Um, you can, uh, Joel A. Smith at musician.org is my primary email. And that's, that's probably the easiest way to get me. Great. Yeah. Joel A. Smith. It's been a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to chatting more and hearing more about the work that you're doing in the industry, but also how you're tying in the community and social justice. Excellent. Hey, man, thank you so much. My pleasure.